0: First Corinthians tonight. Let me put this over to the side. First Corinthians, chapter fifteen. I hope, possibly by now, every time you open your Bible, it goes to one or two places, either the Mark or Book of First Corinthians. Uh, we have been here for uh, quite some time, and uh, in the entire book of First Corinthians. But I've certainly enjoyed the study. It's been a helpful thing for me, and I um, have really enjoyed the the again the study time, the in depth study time of what. Uh, the Lord has to say to us out of First Corinthians and in again in the book of Mark, uh, the Bible is a living book; it speaks to us every time we open it first corinthians fifteen we 'll read verses twenty four through twenty eight uh, we 'll try to make it that far tonight. I wanted to go a little further, but as I began my study this week in preparation, I said well there 's just too much here we 'll need to just uh, bite off what we can." How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So this is like eating one of those things that we'll take baby bites and then work our way through. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse number 24. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put uh, down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, uh, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him. That God may be all in all. Boy, it seems like a lot there. It seems like just repeating of the same phrase, but it's not, or so much here. So let's dive into it and see what the Bible has to say with regards to the resurrection. All of this is dealing with the resurrection uh, of the believer, of the, the born again child of God, the bodily resurrection, not a spirit resurrection, but a bodily resurrection. And so Paul is laying out quite a uh, a, a series of doctrine, uh, just a, quite a a, a, a a classroom, if you will, of doctrine on the resurrection out of this chapter number 15. And there's so much here, he just leaves no stone unturned. And last week, if you remember, we began looking at the resurrection. We spent some time seeing the procedure of resurrection the resurrection the procedure of the resurrection or what we may call the sequence of resurrection uh, if we drop back to verse number 23 but every man in his own order Christ the first fruits after they that are Christ's afterward rather they that are Christ at his coming here we see the sequence every man after his own order and he mentions first of all it's Christ Christ is the First fruits. Remember us talking about the first fruits It would be brought in before the harvest would come in, and they would bring a sampling or a partial—excuse por- uh, me—a partial of that, a sheaf of that crop, and then they would present it to the priests, and it would be a wave offering to the Lord. It would be a first fruit, and then after that would come the harvest. Christ is that first fruit. And so he certainly was the first from the dead. Uh, When I say first from the dead, first from the dead never to die anymore. Lazarus was raised, others were raised, but they also died again. Christ came forth never to die again. And we saw that after that, um, those that are in Christ. That means all of us, if the Lord tarries and some of us, step out of eternity by way of death, then we will rise again. Those who have gone on before us, those who have passed to our family, friends, neighbors, loved ones, uh, those who have been in Christ, we will see them. That's why we can say we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. Because we will see our loved ones. And I dare say that there are many in this building tonight would have Someone in your heart and someone in your mind that you would say, "Boy, I look sure, look forward to seeing them again. That is a promise that's a guarantee from the Word of God, if they were born again. So uh, Christ came first, and after that, uh, those that are of Christ, those who are born again at his uh, at the rapture. Uh, This will take place, the rapture, or we call it the resurrection slash rapture. It takes place simultaneously. Uh, The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the air to be with the Lord, to meet the Lord, and therefore we will we ever be together. That is the full harvest, if you will. So Christ first, those that are alive, we, can, we find that out of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I won't take time to read that tonight. We've done that many times in this study. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the catching away, the rapture, resurrection. And uh, so that's the catching away of the body of Christ. Those, are the, those who are part of the, the, the New Testament church. Uh, the the bridegroom and, and the bride rather the bridegroom coming for the bride and that's what that's all about. So then we also noted uh, the Old Testament saints. There's a resurrection that will take place for the Old Testament saints as well as the tribulation martyrs. We mentioned that last week. Those who were beheaded for their faith. Uh, there will be folks that will be saved during the tribulation time. Uh, they will not bow to the beast. They will not bow to the false prophets. Uh, they will trust Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But understand, there will be persecution like never before. They will lose their lives for their faith. And so, uh, as well as the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints are not part of the New Testament church as in a sense. But they were all saved. All of us are saved the same way. Uh, the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, uh, the the uh, tribulation martyr saints, all of those were born again exactly the same way. For by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So all are born again the same way. But the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, the tribulation martyrs, these will be raised at the start of the thousand year millennial Reign of Christ. Now at the beginning of that millennial reign of Christ. Every born again believer. Every born again believer. that's ever trusted in Christ. From the uh, beginning of time. Up until that point. Will enter in. Into the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. Every single believer. Will enter in. And be a part of that thousand year millennial reign of Christ. So we see those Resurrections. For the believers. Now there is yet another resurrection. That is for the lost. We noted that out of Revelation chapter 20. And verse number 5. These people are called the dead. The dead. Those people who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Understand that everybody is going to rise and stand before Christ one day. Um, someone, I think it was Brother Tim, said, what about that fellow that was eaten by that shark? Uh, what about that? How does that all work? Well, the Lord has a way of putting all those things back together again. But there'll be that body that'll be stand, it'll rise, it'll come before Christ and stand before Him. And at that resurrection, all those who are dead, never trusted Christ, will rise and stand before the Lord And uh, all those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life at the great white throne judgment will stand and give an account of their their lives, the rejection of Christ during that time. Now, all believers at that point, when beginning into the millennial kingdom, all believers will have received their eternal heavenly bodies. An eternal heavenly body fit for eternity. Uh, you go and you get a get a, a new suit or new outfit, and you say, "How does this fit? Uh, would you make that thing fit a little better Understand we 're going to get a heavenly body that fits perfectly it 'll be fitted for eternity a heavenly eternity, and that 'll be wonderful that'll be a wonderful thing. So all believers will receive their uh, their reward that eternal heavenly body that 's free from pain. That's free from sickness, free from trials. Every tear shall be wiped away. Amen and amen to that. Fitted for heaven. Now all the lost also they will receive an eternal body as well. When they are risen, when they are brought out of the grave, they rise. They will receive that eternal body. But their body will be fitted for hell. They'll have that body be fitted for hell. A lake of fire. Be cast into a lake of fire. And, and their body will be a body that will suffer the torments of hell. For all of eternity. But never die. And never be consumed. It'll be a body that's fitted for a place called hell. That will never be consumed. Never die. But will always Go through and realize the torment of a place. Terrible, terrible place called hell. And that's what we see out of Revelation chapter 20. So we saw the procedure or the sequence of the resurrection. And, and I just wanted to lay that foundation. And We mentioned that last week. But now I want us to consider the purpose of the resurrection. The purpose of the resurrection. And I think we see that out of verses 24 and following. But we really, I think it's mentioned or it's really brought home out of verse number 24. Look at it with me, verse number 24, the first part of the verse. Then cometh the end. Again, 23 is talking about the resurrections, resurrection of the believer. And we also know that of the unbeliever. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father. Here I think we see the purpose of the resurrection. Notice the first half of the verse. After the resurrection of all men, again, some to the resurrection of eternal life and eternal glory, some to a resurrection of eternal damnation. Verse 24, in that phrase that we read, there are two parts to that that I want us to notice tonight. Two things mentioned out of that first part of verse 24. He says, first of all, then cometh the end. Then cometh the end. And then the second part of that is, he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God even to the Father. He shall have delivered the kingdom of God to God the Father. So, notice when he shall, the one one that's being spoken of here... In verse number 24, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up. The he goes back to verse number 23 and you see who the he is. Who is it? It's Christ. When Christ shall deliver up the kingdom to the Father. Uh, The he in verse number 24 points back to Christ in 23. The he is the Son of God. And he shall deliver up the kingdom even to or to God the Father. Now, in this verse, we see the purpose or the completion. Uh, we could call it the completion as well. We see the completion out of the first phrase out of 24. Then cometh the end. That's the purpose, or we could call it the completion. The end. In the beginning, we know in the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, that's when things start. Now we come to this and it says the end. The end. That's when something stops. Or something is terminated. Or something is completed. Uh, the final outcome of something. Um, then cometh the end. So what comes to an end? What is completed? What? Is it that's terminated? What stops? What terminates? What is completed When out of this verse number 24? Then cometh the end. Well, first of all, the thing that will come to end is mentioned out of the remainder of verse 24. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Those things are going to come to an end. He mentions it. He tells us what he's talking about here. Now, from the fall of man in the garden, in the book of Genesis, and from the dispersion of man across the earth, I believe you could go back to the Tower of Babel. There have been kings, have there not? We read of the kings in the Bible, king after king after king. Uh, If you've been reading through your Old Testament, we've been reading through our Old Testament Uh, And been working through 1st and 2nd Chronicles and all the kings that are mentioned. And some of them have quite lengthy names and some of them are hard to pronounce and, and so on and on. But the thing that's noted is every nation had its king. And so there are kings, there are authorities, and there are powers. These kings, these authorities, and these powers, they are ruling nations, ruling men... Uh, there have been good kings, and there have been bad kings. There have been despots, and there have been dictators. There have been these dictators, these kings, and some of them many of them have been authoritarians they There have been world powers that have tried to rule the world and salt the rule of the world re- Remember the history books and War, War, World War I and World War II, and even today, those that are seeking to rule the world, the world powers, um, world empires these are all rulers of men. There is a ruler of the world. What's his name? Satan, the devil, uh, his demons. The Bible calls him the God, the little g of this world. Now think about the power and the authority of Satan and his world empire. We think about the forces of evil. His power and his authority. Uh, These things rule over the wickedness of man. And lead in the wickedness of man. Uh, Lead in the, the, the authoritarian mindsets and, and the, the Hitlers and the Saddam Husseins and and you could just name the Stalins and you could go through the history books and name all these people. Certainly Satan uh, was behind so much of what's taking place and and I believe Satan's even behind of what we see today in the world. He's leading these things. These are men that are ruling nations and powers. And the Bible tells us that all of it's going to end. What's going to end? Every king. Every kingdom. Every empire. All evil. All wickedness. All war. All destruction. Every evil force will cease. The Bible says it'll be put down. It'll be put down. By who? By Christ. By Christ. When he. That's Christ. That points back again to verse number 23. It says that he will put down these forces, these evils. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Revelation 19 and 16. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The king of heaven, Jesus Christ, will put down all rule of man. All authority of men. All powers of men and of Satan. All evil forces. There are kings today that think they are in charge. We hear about them all the time. We are in charge. Just recently on the floor of the U House, U.S. House of Representatives in Washington, there was a debate over the H.R. 1 bill, the Equality Act. Are you familiar with it? If this thing ever gets passed and it's coming, it will take, it will take religious freedoms from the Christian and from out from under the church like never before. And so fast, and it's coming. They've been working on this thing for a long, long time. But on the debate of the floor, uh, recently, and by the way, it passed the House. It's gone to the Senate. It's likely that it may not pass in the Senate, but you can't, it's coming. They're working at it. It eventually will be. But on that House floor, during the debate of it, a Republican congressman from Florida by the name of Greg Steube, he stood on the floor, and this is what he said, This law is a clear rejection of God's good design. He says, whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against Him and will inevitably bear the consequences. Wow. Amazing that he would stand up and make these kinds of statements. But praise God for men that will do such a thing. At the end of his time. Congressman Democrat Jerry Nadler. Who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Stood up in response to what he had just heard. That a nation that goes against God is going to bear the consequences if we're doing so. This is what he said. Mr. Stubbe. Whatever religious tradition describes as God's will is of no concern of this Congress. Wow. We could care less. What you just said is no concern of ours. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. Some people think they're kings. Some people think they're in charge. Philippians 2 and 10. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow with things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. At the end. Then cometh the end. All rule. All authority, all power by man and by Satan will be subjected and come under the subjection of Jesus Christ, King Jesus, forever and forever. You understand what's in this phrase? Then cometh the end. This is glorious. This is the hope of the believer. This is the prayer request for every born again child of God in God's people. In God's churches all across the nation. They will be put down. Look at verse number 25. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Now Paul seems to be to set forth the practice or the imagery of a conquering monarch of long ago. The conquering king, he's sitting upon his throne, and he's, he's elevated above on his throne. He's high above his foe, and the king is on the throne. And it would not be uncommon for that king who had conquered to take the foe who had been conquered. And as he's sitting upon his throne, to, that conquered king would bow down. Face to the ground before the king. And the king would sit up there and put his foot on his neck. To show a subjection. To show that he's been put down. Paul seems to allude to the fact that he must reign. Who is he? Goes back to verse number 23. Jesus Christ. He must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. An Amazing, amazing imagery here. Total subjection to Jesus Christ, the King. What will come to an end? All rule, all authority, all power of everyone but God's rule. But God's authority and God's power. In other words, all rebellion ceases. All rebellion ends. But there's something else. What else will end? Verse number 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. What else is going to end? Well, he tells us out again out of verse number 26. The last enemy. What is it? Death. Satan's greatest weapon used against mankind is death. The wages of sin. It comes with sin. It comes connected to sin. Physical death as well as spiritual death. In our physical bodies, it could be said that death hounds us all, it chases us all. But it holds no bite, it holds no power over the believer. Listen to Hebrews. What a great verse this is. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 14. If I got the right verse. For as much as children are partakers of flesh and blood, we him likewise took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him. There it is. That through death he might destroy him, that hath the power of death, that is the devil. He destroys the power of death. He destroys the devil. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verses 54 through 57. seven. First Corinthians 15 54 through 57. So then, this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death ends... Death ceases. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 verse number 14. I wish we could read the whole chapter. But just we can't. We don't have the time. But look at verse number 14 of Revelation 20. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Certainly that word death reverts and gives reference to those dead who are dead in Christ. But understand death itself is done away with. Death, Death itself is cast away. Look at Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them. And be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Wow. What great verses these are. What. Is going to end. All rule. All power. All authority. All rebellion against God. What is going to end? Death itself. Then cometh the end. Death dies never to be resurrected again. There is not a soul in here this evening. Or watching by way of live stream. That has Not been in some form or fashion adversely affected by death. For many, it's nearly overwhelming. But comfort one another with these words Death is destroyed, then cometh the end. He must reign. Wow, it's packed. So much here. Then cometh the end. End we mentioned earlier. It, it, it means the stopping of or the Excuse me, the termination of something, and we see what's terminated. But the word end, then come at the end, also has the idea of completion with it too. Not just something ending, but something that's completed. Not only are there things ending, but that something is being completed. Or you could say it's accomplished. Completed fully, accomplished fully. What is it that's accomplished fully? Then cometh the end. What is it that's accomplished? Well, it's the second part of verse number 24. The second phrase out of the very first part. Then cometh the end. So you can see a comma there. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father. This is the completion. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, you could put it here, to God the Father. Who's he? Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ shall have delivered up the kingdom to God the Father. Now if we go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, I'm not asking you to turn there, but you know the story here we have the story of creation. And everything that God created, he created and he said, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. In Genesis 1 and 27, God created man in his own image. In his own image, God created He him male and female created he them. Wow. What a verse. You think God saw through eternity and saw with... That those who claim to be kings today would be debating such a thing. Here God just lays it out black and white. Right in the very beginning. Male and female. He created man in his own image. In Genesis chapter 1. In chapter number 3. We find the story of how sin entered in. And that serpent deceived. And then the fall of mankind proceeded after the, the, the sinning of man. The fall of mankind as well as the fall of man that brought with it the fall of God's creation. The creation was subject to the fall. Romans talks about nature itself groaning from within, waiting for the redemption. So since that time, there's been a fall. But if we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, I'll read you the verse. Listen to what the Bible says. God's speaking to Satan here, and he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That verse is the very first indication if we see of what God's plan is for mankind. We have a remarkable verse here. And in that verse, God gives a promise. This verse unfolds and it foretells the the coming of Jesus Christ. That verse looks forward to the cross of Calvary. And Jesus hanging upon that cross. And as Jesus is hanging upon that cross, been beaten beyond recognition... Satan thought that he had finally killed the God-man. He's wiped him out. Satan is thinking, I've won the battle. He's on the cross. The God-man is hanging there by nails. And Satan thought his rule, his authority, his power had won the battle of the ages. At first, it may have seemed so. He was crucified, he died, and he was buried. But three days later, three days later, up from the grave he arose, and he became the first fruits of a soon coming harvest, all born again in Christ. The thing that's completed. The thing that he's dealing with here then come at the end. The thing that's completed is full redemption. The full redemption of God's creation has been redeemed. On the cross Jesus cried out it is finished. The payment has been made in full. And then at the end. I believe maybe Jesus just one more time. He comes before the Father. And he presents back to him the creation. The kingdom. And he says, it is finished. Completed. All done. When the end cometh. Father, you sent me to, on a mission to redeem sinful man. To reestablish your glory in the creation. Just like it once was. Father, you sent me on a mission of reconciliation. On a mission of redemption. On a mission of restoration. On a mission of recovery. The glory of God residing again among men. In Jesus Delivers the kingdom back to the Father. And he says, Father, mission complete. The unfolding of the ages here in completion. What an amazing thought this is. The battle is over. The victory is won. God the Son presents to God the Father his finished work. Completed redemption and restoration of the glory of God to his creation. Then cometh the end. He must reign. Boy there's a whole lot in that verse right there. A whole lot in that little statement. But you know this is the hope of every believer. This is the promise that every believer holds to. So in the sorrows of life. Let's remember. He must reign. And he is reigning. And he will reign. And because he reigns, we also, all those who are born in Christ, will reign with him. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Praise God for his goodness and his glory. It's bow our hearts in prayer.